Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Are you awake? You're up. Buenos dias. Okay, I'm happy you're up. Before I officially get started, I do have to give a special shout out to my queen, Jen. It's her birthday today. It's actually not just her birthday. Eddie Orlana's birthday is today. I don't know if he's here today too, but it's Eddie. They share birthdays. So I had to give my queen especially a little shout out for her birthday. You could say, aw. Okay, thank you. That helps. That helps. So... So I know without question that I'm going to highlight something that you absolutely love, a place you love to visit, which is going to the dentist. How many of you love going to the dentist, right? A couple of you guys. Let me, let me tell you, the, going to the dentist hurts in so many different ways, not only what they do to you, but also when you're about to leave and pay because your insurance barely, like if you have insurance, it barely covers anything. And then if you don't have insurance, we're going to pray for you after service, after service. I remember as clear as day, the day I went to remove my wisdom tooth, okay? I remember as clear as day, and I have to say the dentist I went to, I don't know, like, you know, they... they it, it, was, it was like in someone's backyard or something. Like, it wasn't like, I'm just joking, not someone's backyard. But it was like kind of like ghetto a little bit, like the, the process. It was very painful. But this morning, what I want to do is we're going to really try to figure out who are the most intelligent people in this room. All right? We're going we're gonna to really try to figure it, out, figure it out. And you're probably wondering how we're going to do that. The, re, the way we're going to do that is try to figure out how many wisdom teeth you have left. Okay? How many of you have all four? Raise your hand. You know, those are the brightest people in this room, guys. Look, put, put, put your hands up, all four. All right? All right? How many of you have three left? All right? Look, look, Son inteligente un poco aquí, three. How many of you have two left? All right, we have, we have a couple. How many of you have one left? You're like holding that one in and you're not going to let that one go because the moment you lose that one, ya, ya, se pone la cosa mala. So, so how many of you have no wisdom teeth? Guys, pray for those that you see their hands up. I actually have three. I, it's so funny because when, when they remove one of my wisdom, um, my wisdom tooth, I actually thought I was going to get dumber. Like, you know, I really did. I was like, yo, why do they call it the wisdom tooth? It's like the moment they remove it, you get dumb. And as they remove more, it's like it's, it's shot out. So I, I was getting really nervous. But in case you don't know why it's called wisdom teeth, it's because how they come out like in your around 18 to 21, they come out later, like you could say older in the journey, you could say, because they take longer to come out, that's why they call them wisdom teeth. But I know, 
Obviously, I'm just joking, all of us, uh, we're wise because God is living within us, but we, it has nothing to do with the teeth in your mouth. So just in case, that was just a joke, you know, or just, I don't want you to hold that against me. Okay, James chapter 1 verse 5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Something that I love there too is, well, number one is an invitation. is an invitation for us to ask God, and two, the fact that he gives it generously. I don't know about you, but I need God's wisdom in my life every single day. Every single day. Anyone here with me? Put your hands. You know, like, you know. And we need God's wisdom. I don't know if you remember, but the Lord appeared to King Solomon. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, and it says this, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask whatever you want me to give to you, to give you. Now, there we see God appear to King Solomon in a dream, and that request was given. I think I remember asking all of you, imagine that would have happened to you last night. God appeared to you in the middle of a dream, and he says, you know what? You could have whatever you want, just ask, and it'll be given to you. What would you ask? Right now at this moment, with your current circumstances in your life, what would be your response to God on what you would ask him to do? Like, what would you ask? knowing that God would do it. Like I know deep down inside, you're probably thinking of a couple of things you would ask, but King Solomon said this in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. He says this, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours. So here we know that King Solomon asked God for wisdom and God gave him wisdom and even more than wisdom. You could read on that. And we know that we're studying the books of poetry, the books of wisdom, and King Solomon wrote three of them. And today we're going to focus on the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is God's invitation to learn wisdom. So think about that. This morning when you came to church, imagine you walking through the door and someone handed you an invitation and it was directly from God. And God gave you an invitation and you open it and literally says, I'm inviting you to learn wisdom, to gain wisdom, to understand wisdom. Would you accept the invitation that God gave you? This book, the book of Proverbs, is a book of poetry, of course, wisdom. How many chapters are in the book of Proverbs? 31 chapters, 31. So it's perfect for you to read one chapter a day. Many people have that habit of reading one chapter a day, and I want to challenge all of us to do that. So like, for example, today's May 15th, reading Proverbs uh, chapter 15. Every day, Read the, cha- uh, the day, the chapter that corresponds with it so that we could gain 
wisdom. Now, the authors, of course, is King Solomon, the majority of it, almost all of it. But then you have Agur, who honestly, we have no idea who he really is. He um, wrote chapter 30. And then chapter 31 is written by King Lemuel. And I'll comment about him in a second, too. Um, well, I'll just tell you now, King Lemuel, you'll, if you read and do research, a lot of people still think it's King Samuel, but that was just another name term that he had as well. So it's really, even though it says King Lemuel, when you read chapter 31, a lot of people believe, experts believe that it's still King Solomon that wrote it. So the book is divided in four major parts. Chapters 1 to chapter 9, there's 10 speeches from a father to a son. So for all the fathers that are in the house, just picture yourself writing 10 messages to your son, trying to give your son wisdom. So chapters 1 through 9, but within it too, you will also see Four poems from Lady Wisdom as well when you read that. Chapters 10 to 29, the second part, uh, the second division of the book, there's hundreds of ancient proverbs there. Does anyone know how many proverbs King Solomon wrote? Any guess? Yes. Oh, yeah, I see Lencio aquí. A thousand, a thousand five. He actually wrote 3,000 Proverbs, 3,000 Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, you will actually find about 500 of it. So in reality, not all the Proverbs that King Solomon wrote are reflected in the book. But here between chapters 10 and 29, there's going to be uh, hundreds of ancient Proverbs. Chapter 30 is the poem written by Agur, who, which we don't really know anything about. And chapter 31 is King Lemuel, who that is the chapter of the woman of noble character that I know so many people love to read. Something that's interesting with this book compared to other books is this book tells you right in the beginning what's, it, what's about. Like, I, I know like sometimes you read the Bible and you're wondering, like, yo, what, what is this book about? What's the purpose about this book? This book, right in the beginning, gives you its mission statement. Right in the beginning, it's like, hey, we don't want you to guess what the book of Proverbs is about. We don't want you to assume what the book of Proverbs is about. We don't want you to go with what uh, La Mujer around the block is telling you what the book of Proverbs is about. We're going to tell you what the book of Proverbs is about. And it says Proverbs, it starts it right in the beginning, Proverbs chapter 1. Verses 1 through 6, it says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning. I actually love that part. I'm going to pause there. It's just let the wise listen and add to their learning. You could never get to a place where you, 
don't read God's word or you stop learning and growing. Even the wise need to add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So right there, chapter one in Proverbs, it tells you what the book is about. You could read it. You could even say like, this is like the mission statement in a sense of the book. So how would you define wisdom? What's interesting, the word wisdom in the book of Proverbs is mentioned 125 times. That's a lot of times. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. Don't worry, I'm not going to do 125 times. I'm going to get tired. So that's a lot, wisdom, wisdom. So 125 times. But how would you define wisdom? Like I I said in the beginning, wisdom is depending on how many wisdom teeth you have in your mouth left. I wouldn't be surprised if some people actually do believe that. Like, you know, like who knows? What does the world says wisdom is? What do they say wisdom is? Well, well, that's not what the world says wisdom is. That's a great answer, though. Intelligence. They say intelligence. Degrees. The more degrees you are, the wiser you are. What else? Age. The older you are, the wiser you are. Experience. The more you experience in life, like the more wisdom you have. The world says the SAT, if you get a 1600, that's um, what I didn't get, um, 1600 in your SAT, you're extremely bright because that's like a perfect score in this SAT. How much you get if you just put your name down? 200 points? I think that's what I got. No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. But it's like you get 200 points if you put your name down, right? If you misspell your name, you probably don't get those 200 points. So, um, so the world says what you do and what you end up doing at SAT is, is intelligence. Uh, career, title, like all of a sudden if you're talking to someone and they say this humongous title, that has like so many different layers to it and your head is spinning and you're like, what? I never even heard of that. Like, you know, when they say something like that, automatically, without even thinking about it, default in your heart and mind, you think that they're really, really wise. You know what I mean? And something that we're going to end up seeing too is uh, that there's a big difference between intelligence and wisdom. Big difference. There's a big difference between information and wisdom. Now, this age now, think about it. Everything could be found out by going one place. For the most part, I'm not saying everything, but one place. Google. How many times I hear people, I'm just going to Google it. I'm going to Google it. You know, you could Google anything, anything. You could Google anything. You could almost uh, go on YouTube and um, find things like, I remember I was trying to fix something. And if you know me a little bit, I'm not handy at all. I have the Home Depot book, one, two, three. It doesn't work for me. I need like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So, so I'm not handy, but I was able to fix something. I, I, I found, I Googled, and I found the video that was able to guide me step by 
my step to help me fix something. It's like you could literally find everything. I remember when I was younger, if you wanted to, um, Rosie and I uh, remember this clearly too, um, you know, to have wisdom, we had the encyclopedias. So, so I don't even know how many books were there. You know, like I know there were a lot of them. I don't, I don't know how many times I opened them. I know I used to open them to hide money from Rosie so Rosie doesn't find it. He's like, yo, $20, I don't want my sister to see it. So I was like, which book is it in? So, so I know I used to have a lot of those books and literally the, that's how, like, you know, it's wisdom, it's the encyclopedia, but that was the way we were exposed to information. Kids nowadays, the information that they have and what they're exposed to is at a much rapid pace than what we were when I was when I was younger and when most of us when we were younger too. Like, you know, like it's, it's at a super rapid pace. I, I, I've heard so many people say the amount, the content of what they receive, it's unbelievable. Like, like pretty much like I've heard people say like, um, kids nowadays, by the time that they're 18, they've downloaded within their, within their brain, exposed to more than what people in a whole lifetime would beforehand. Like, you know, my, and even younger, sometimes I talk to my nephew, Samuel, he's nine years old, and just the things he, oh, 10 years old. <laughs> my, my sisters look at me like, Carlo, tío, you can't get this wrong. So she's like, 10, 10. So thank you, uh, my sister. She's getting me back for the joke about the money in the encyclopedia. So, so 10 years old, and some of the things he says, like, I'm like, um, I don't know. Like, you know, like, I, I really don't. Like, you know, as you know, I'm 22, no, um, a little bit more, 46. And as I'm talking to someone that's 10 years old, some of the information he has, I haven't been exposed to. So it's just unbelievable, like, like what they, they're exposed to at a young age. So a big difference is between learning and living, okay? Big difference. So the world sees wisdom as learning, okay? But by the Bible, the wisdom is different. It's about living. It's about living, understanding how to apply God's word in your life, living God's word in a daily basis is wisdom. So something that I think some of us uh, know, and it's obvious too, because here, imagine you don't know God and, or you don't want to know God. So here in Psalm chapter 14, verse one, it says this, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So right there, it's like, hey, you want to meet someone that doesn't have wisdom and intelligence? Is anyone that says that there's no God. Here it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. So here, something in the book of Proverbs that's interesting is as you read the book, it often says, get wisdom. You know, you have to gain wisdom, even buy wisdom, do whatever it takes to really have that wisdom of God in your life. God gives us a definition of wisdom. 
And my friend, I believe it was Diego, said it earlier. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I'm just going to pause there real quick. This is pretty much saying it's like, hey, you want wisdom? The foundation, the start of it is the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So this fear, I think most of us know, doesn't mean that you're scared and terrified of God. It means that you're in awe of God. You give him reverence. You pretty much, you realize who he is in your life. You worship him in every area of your life, and you respond with humility, with respect, with obedience. That is having the fear of the Lord. So here, if we want to know what wisdom is, the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Something that's interesting, too, that the word wisdom itself is the root word. The root word of wisdom has something interesting there. It says to be skilled, being an expert at something, and specifically on applying God's word to your life. So, so many times we want to be skilled at something. So, so many times we want to be an expert in something. Here, the Bible tells us wisdom is being skilled and an expert pretty much taking God's word and applying it to your life in all the different circumstances you're in. What's interesting, it doesn't say the skill in being expert is being able to memorize it and recite it. It doesn't say how many chapters you know by memory. It doesn't say like how much of the Bible you know. Like this wisdom is about application. It's about knowing and applying. It's not just about knowing and quoting and boasting about it. No, no, no. It's the skill of taking God's word, looking at your life, and not just on Sunday morning, because Sunday morning, you know, we all feel like Christians on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, you know, you come in, you be like, gracias, Señor. Like you come in with your hallelujah face on, you're all excited to praise God, everything. No, no, no. This is about getting God's word. And when that person cuts you off, you know how to apply God's word. When you go to Dunkin' Donuts and they get your coffee wrong for like the 30th time, and you start dreaming about what you're going to do with that hot coffee, so I said, I don't know what you would do. It's about applying God's word to your family, to your spouses, to your children, to your coworker, to that job you have that you always just comment negatively about your boss. That job you are that all you want to do is complain about your coworkers. That situation you're in that you know you're not even supposed to be in because it's a sin. The fact that you're entertaining sin in your life, but Sunday morning you're good to worship God, but wisdom is taking God's word and applying it to those areas of your life, all the areas of your life. 
your finances, your troubles, your tragedies, your circumstances, the good, the bad, the ugly, the situations, the problems, you know, the comments when people attack you, when people say lies about you, when people try to destroy you, how do you respond? You take God's word and you apply God's word in every situation. So literally, you wisdom in the Bible is being skilled and becoming an expert, an expert of knowing and applying God's word in these areas. That's wisdom. Intelligence is just information. The reality is I've met a lot of people that the world says they're intelligent, but we quickly saw in Scripture if they don't believe in God, really they're a fool because they don't believe in God. So what is a proverb? A proverb is a short, clever saying with a greater meaning to it. So it's a short, clever saying that has a greater meaning to it. Now, I know like growing up, like even in my own house, like all of us, there's different proverbs that we've grown up with. Uh, maybe in your culture, maybe the country you're from, there might be specific proverbs. My dad used to always say to me, Pórtate bien, que nada te cuesta. And I would look at him and I was like, me cuesta mucho. So pretty much he would say, it's like, behave yourself. It doesn't cost you anything. And I would just look at him and I was like, it does cost me a lot to behave myself. So, but that's like a proverb that he would listen to all the time in Cuba and among his family, and then he would say it all the time. And obviously, there's other things he would say I can't really say in church, you know. I don't know what type of Proverbs those were, but there are Proverbs. But literally, like, portate bien que nada te cuesta was one that's common. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you that we have Proverbs here and that you know without even thinking about it. I'm going to start it off, and you're going to finish it, okay? I want you to shout it out, okay? Don't put all your eggs in. Oh, you guys are so smart. Don't count your chickens, okay, before or until they hatch. There's more than one way to. All right. That one, some of you knew. Some of you were like, one, one way? Okay, ready? Strike while the... Don't make a mountain out of a, there are plenty more fish in the sea. Take it with a, that was actually, I'm impressed because that was like, sure, I didn't say too much and you guys got it. And the last one, the early bird gets the worm. So all of those are Proverbs. All of those are Proverbs. They're short clever sayings with a greater meaning. Like, like, you know, someone could sit down and explain to you a greater meaning. But there's a big difference between those Proverbs and the Proverbs we find in Scripture. The Proverbs we find in Scripture are God's wisdom inspired by God. We know in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, it says this, all Scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So 
There's a big difference between good advice and godly advice. And the Proverbs in the Bible are godly advice. The other ones are good advice. Like, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Like, you know, you know it's, 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 it's good advice for specific situations. But there's a difference between good advice and godly advice. I do want to let you know, though, and this is important for us to understand, that how I mentioned Proverbs are clever sayings with greater meaning. But something that Proverbs are not, they're not promises of guarantee. Okay? That's something important because these are clever sayings of wisdom for us to apply to our lives, but they're not a guarantee because life is life. Like, you know, there's different circumstances in life. And a lot of times Christians take Proverbs and make them guarantees. Guarantees. They make it as, God, this is, I'm taking this. This is a guarantee. This is a promise but we're taking it out of context. These are clever um, sayings inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it's not guarantees. And I'm going to give you just two examples just for us to look at. Number one, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 says this, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Okay? That's, that's one of the Proverbs. It's wisdom. The fear, if you have the fear of the Lord, yes, the probability is it, it is going to add length to, uh, uh, of life to your years because you're going to stay out of nonsense, problems. You know, you're not going to be in the places that you know could cause certain things that are not supposed to happen. Uh, but here you could clearly see it's not a guarantee. I, we've seen, and if you've lived life long enough, many people that have lived that feared God, but their life was cut short. For some reason, God decided to take them home with them, okay? And then at the same time, here it says that those that are evil, like wicked, they end up having their lives cut short. I've known a lot of people that don't love, don't honor God, don't live for God, live a super long life. So here you see, like, it's, it's wisdom, but it's not a guarantee. It's not, you know, take it to the bank, a promise, 100%. Another one that's an example is Proverbs 22, verse 6. This is one that is often quoted. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, First, I want to let you know, this is wisdom. Obviously, if you train up the child the way they should go, the probability is they're not going to depart from it because you've trained them in those ways of God. And, but it's not a guarantee. This is a proverb. It's, it's meant to make you think of how to apply God's word. Think about it. it, it, it from the standpoint, each of us, we have free will. You know what I mean? So let's say your child decides that he wants to walk away from God, not follow God at all. His choice, 
You know what I mean? Like here you have this proverb, but this proverb is not guaranteed. Of course, it doesn't mean you can't pray for your child, for them to come back to the Lord and to repent and to turn from their wicked ways. But I'm gonna, I just want to give you another example that this is words of wisdom that saying, hey, train up the child the way they should go. They, they won't depart from it. It's giving you wisdom as a parent on how you should apply God's word and train your children in it. So that's, that's the thing. It's like we, we, we can't take it out of context. Um, there's so many different Proverbs. I mentioned um, before, how many in the book of Proverbs? How many, pro, um, about how many? 500, 500 in the book of Proverbs. I'm going to highlight some that are the most popular ones. And if you know that this is one that means a lot to you, you could uh, respond. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to, uh, to him and he will make your paths straight. Favorite? Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Okay? That, that, that's a, another very popular one. Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 31, 30, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Why don't we thank God for all the women that are in the house that fear God. Now, those are some of the popular ones. I'm going to give you some interesting ones. Some of them you might have read before. Some of them probably might be your first time. Proverbs 26, 11 says this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. So let me tell you, as a dog owner, I'll never understand that. I just don't understand. All of a sudden, you're making all these sounds. All of a sudden, you just let go of all that stuff. And if Jen and I are not quick enough and literally almost put a muzzle on our dog, he's like, no, why are you going back to your own vomit? Not only do they go back to their vomit, they lick it, they eat it. They're like, hey, dinner twice. You know what I mean? It's like, why? Why? why but you know what's the funniest part is not the dog part is the fool's part here pretty much is the part that literally re, the person that makes these wrong um, decisions in their life and they know it there it's destructive to their own life to those around them it's like causing damage but yet them knowing what it does they still go back and continue doing it. They don't learn the lesson 
I always say, learn the lesson, forget the details, keep moving forward. No, no, they don't learn the lesson and forget the details. They never learn the, a lesson. They always remember the details and want to go back to it. So here you have a situation where this proverb clearly says, next time, every, I want all of us, anytime you ever see a dog, go back to their vomit, be like, yo, let that not be me. Like, like in your own life, let that not be you going back to your own mistakes and decisions. Proverbs 12, 13 says this, the wicked are trapped by their own words, but the godly escape such trouble. Okay. And I, even there, the wicked are trapped by their own words. It's like, just know, and we're going to get into this, how powerful words are. You could become a prison by the very words that you end up saying. This, this next one, yeah, let me tell you, this one is good, it's good. You're going to like this one. All right, ready? Proverbs 15, 17. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with, um, with someone you hate. A bowl of vegetables with some, uh, someone you love is better than steak. You know, like even filet mignon is better than filet mignon with someone that you hate. Some of you that are steak lovers here are like, yo, Carlos, I don't know, man. If the steak is good, I'm willing to hit, uh, still eat with them, even though I hate them. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Here it's telling you it's like relationship is what matters most. Relationship is what matters most. It's not what you're eating in front. This next one is really good, too. Hopefully we don't get people in trouble here. Proverbs 21.9, better to live on a corner of the roof. Then share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That's not my wife, by the way. I didn't pick that for my wife. But uh, obviously we know it could be a, a husband too. But think about that. Better to live in the corner of the roof. If I see any of you guys, if I'm driving through Elizabeth or that, and I see you just sitting in the corner, be like, yo, throw me, throw me a piece of bread, yo. I've been out here for like three days. You know, if I see you in the corner of your roof, I just, I, I'll know you're having issues with your wife uh, or your husband inside the house. I know that there's drama. So, so we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully I don't see any of you guys there hanging in the corner. And if you're in the corner of the room, you got to be careful. You might fall down. Proverbs 5 verses 3 to 5 says this. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. If anyone here has ever even had a hint of thinking about committing adultery, If you would read that and apply that in your life, that's wisdom. And let me tell you something. I've said this before. A lot of times people think adultery is literally if if you do the full act type of thing. To me, if you're giving emotions and attention to anyone else that you know only belongs to your spouse, you're committing adultery. Because you're not even supposed to have the thought of it. But if all of a sudden you're just always compelled to flirt towards a certain person, 
You know, like to you, you think it's innocent because you're not committing adultery. You're getting marveled by how even it says here, the honey and the oil that's being dripped, you could say, like before you, and you're like in, uh, pretty much like caught in a trance by that. But little do you realize how it says there, her feet go down to death. Her feet go down to death. And it says her steps lead straight to the grave. Her steps, his steps lead straight to the grave. Just causes destruction in your own life, causing destruction in your family, causing destruction at work, at your reputation, at church, wherever you are, it just causes destruction. Wisdom tells you what to do here. There's three major themes in the book of Proverbs. Now, mind you, there's 500 Proverbs, about 500, and there's so many different topics. You'll find stuff on family. You'll find stuff on work, on marriage, alcohol, debt, justice, forgiveness, health, adultery, trials, wealth. The list could go on and on. But there's really three major topics. And I'm going to focus on now. The first one is this. You could write it down if you want. Is fearing God versus fearing man. That's a major topic in the book of Proverbs. So many of us, number one, if you don't have the fear of God in your life, you need to cultivate that. And you need to have that in your life. And some of us fear man more than God. Some of us don't do the things that God has called you to do because you're more concerned about what people are going to say or think of you by doing those things. You're more consumed with the whispers of man than being obedient to God. You're more consumed with the audience that are watching you than being obedient to your audience of one in heaven. You need to listen and obey God's voice and fear him Give him reverence, respect, and honor and humility, giving him obedience above everyone else. doesn't matter. You shouldn't change because of the people you're around. Let me tell you, in my life, there are situations where I've stepped into rooms because of the different things that I do in the community and stuff, and the conversation changes, stops. They say, people say, they, it can't happen now. Because they know that I fear God. I don't fear them. I fear God above everything else. And I'm not going to change depending on the circumstances or the surroundings or that I'm in. I'm the same whether you find me here or find me anywhere else. It's about fearing God above everything else. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, it says this, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Proverbs 8.13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And then it says, I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. And even that, I just want to highlight that real quick. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. So many of us will quickly say we love God, but we love evil as well. There's certain things that God has clearly said is evil. 
but yet because the world says is good and the world says is okay, we choose to side with the world and fall in line with what the world says is good and bad and evil instead of being with God and what God says is good and evil. Sometimes for us, it's easier to go with the flow of the current than go against the current, even though the reality is if God is with you and for you, you are the majority because there's no one greater than God. But so many times it's more convenient and easier for us to take what God says is good, but the world says is evil. And then all of a sudden we see it as evil as well, even though God says it's good. And there's certain things that God clearly says is evil, but the world says it's good. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know what? Uh, It's good. It's good. But yet God clearly says it's evil. Who do you fear? Do you fear what your friends are going to say, what people are going to say, or do you have the fear of God? There it clearly says to fear the Lord is to hate evil. We don't pick and choose what we think is evil. God is the one that distinguishes it for us. As we continue, the second major theme is laziness. Laziness. Major theme in the book of Proverbs. Anyone lazy in the house? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. That was just a joke. No, don't raise your hand. But laziness is a major theme in the book. Proverbs chapter uh, 19, verse 24 says this, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish and he will not even bring it back to his mouth. Yo, you're so lazy. You're about to eat your oatmeal. You go like this? Like, yeah, I can't even lift up the spoon. I'm that lazy. That's like you have a bandeja de paisa in front of you. You're so hungry. You go like this? Some of you are like, I wouldn't do that to the bandeja paisa. To the oatmeal, I might, but not to the bandeja paisa. Think about that. They're so lazy, they bury their hand in the dish, and they're not even, they're not even motivated to even bring up the spoon to eat. And let me, is this a major theme in the book of Proverbs? Um, and something to keep in mind, God has given us gifts talents, plans for our lives, you know, things for us to accomplish. Life is short. God wants us to accomplish the things he has wired us to do. God can't stand laziness. If this is a major theme in the Bible, he can't stand laziness, but yet here we see it. And so many times we live out our lives could look like a sloth. I don't know if you've ever seen a sloth before. I've I had the opportunity of seeing them in person. It's like they take forever to do everything, anything. It's like they're crossing the street. I could go eat. I could drive around for four hours. I come back. They're not even halfway through the street. 
It's like they take so long to do everything, and here is a problem. Proverbs 12, 27 says this, lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. There, it's pretty much um, talking about they don't finish things. Lazy people don't finish things. They like to start things, but they don't finish things. They just caught a game. They went hunting to get an animal to eat, but they're too lazy to cook it after they caught the animal. They don't accomplish and finish what they got started. I don't know if you're here and that's something that labels you. You don't finish what you start. You know, obviously not everything we all start gets finished. But if it's a pattern in your life that you notice that you start and you don't follow through to the end, that could be a mark of laziness. Proverbs 22:13 says this, The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. And what this um, proverb refers to is excuses. Excuses. There's a lion outside. I can't can't do that today. There's a lion, you know. Obviously, you you might not use that in Elizabeth. It's like, you know, you might be like, there's a chupacabra outside. I can't finish what I have to do. But all of a sudden, it's like you come up with excuses of why you're not accomplishing or doing what you need to get done. Just get up and do it. Stop making excuses. If you find your life being filled with excuses, it's bad. Proverbs 26, 14 says this, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. So right here, it's comparing a lazy person, a door that turns on his hinges back and forth on the hinge. That's why you don't want to get out of bed. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, there's some morning, especially if it's raining outside. You know, you, you've been hitting that snooze button so much, you almost broke that clock. You got to go to Target, buy yourself another one. I'm not, I'm not saying there's certain days where, you know, you need that extra sleep. Your body's asking for it. You want it. But if that extra sleep is like the story of your life, like literally like you all, you're always in bed, you're always resting, you're always uh, like sleeping, you're always extending the time, you're always hitting the snooze button. And how many of us on our cell phone, we have about like 10 or 20 alarms uh, there? Yeah, it's like 6, 6, 10, 6, 15, 6, 20, 6, 25, 6, 30, 6, 35. Like, but think about it. It doesn't even make sense. Like you're waking up and turn it off. Just put it to the later time. But I know what you're thinking. It's like, Carlos, it does make a difference. It makes me like feel like I'm doing something. So right there, you have the second one, laziness. The third one, and it's the last one, is our words. Our words. This is a big one in the book of Proverbs. Here, 150 times, it's a mega theme. The word tongue, lips, words, and mouth is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. 150 times, pretty much, it boils down and mentions those things. And it all boils down to the words that you say. Here, is a popular one that I know that many of us have um, read or even said ourselves. This is this, Proverbs 18.21. 
The tongue can bring... Let's read it again from the beginning. The tongue can bring... Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. There's power in the words that we say. There's death and life in the words that we say. And so many times, some of us like to talk a lot. You got to be careful. The more you talk, the greater likelihood you trip up with what you say. So you got to be careful. But there's power in that. But think about that. If words are powerful, like how are we using those words? If I would ask you too, if I would ask you, what, what was a statement that was said to you when you were younger that scarred you? I guarantee you that almost all of us could quickly think of the person, the situation, what they said. Like, like you could easily think of what was said to you that scarred you. At the same time, I guarantee you could also think quickly when you were younger, when someone says something to you that built you up. Someone said something to you that really encouraged you and brought life to you. I know all of us, we could think about that quickly because words are powerful. Even up to this day, I could, I could close my eyes. I, I could envision myself. I was in sixth grade. I was in St. Mary's and we were there. And I have to say, when I was in sixth grade, I was really chubby. You know, I'm chubby now, but back then I was a little chubbier. So I was pretty big. And I'll never forget in front of all my friends, yo, there was a girl. She was like, yo, you look like you're pregnant. Yo, she said that, yo. At that moment, I was honestly, like, think about that. You're a kid. You're in front of all your friends. All of a sudden, yo, you better believe I went home. You had like 5,000 sit-ups that night. Rosie was like, yo, Carlos, what you doing there? I was like, yo, chill, chill. So it's like, but I remember as clear as day. I remember who said it, where I was, everything. Like, because it's, it marks it. And I remember as clear as day being in fifth grade and also winning a math competition, which I brought home a trophy for. I, I came out in first place in math when I was in first, uh, um, fifth grade. So I came out in first place. And I, re- I just remember the teacher just encouraging me, saying, Carlos, you did a great job. Thank you for representing our school, like, and everything. Like, you know, I remember hearing her words of what she said with the accomplishment. At the same time, I know every single one of us know, but this is the thing. Even though we know, how do we use our words now? What do you say to your spouse? Do you speak words of life or death to your spouse? Do you speak words of life or death to your children? Do you speak life or death to your boss? Do you speak life and death to your uh, your coworkers? Do you speak life or death to strangers? Do you speak life to death to your neighbors? Do you speak life and death to the people that you encounter? It's like, what comes out of your mouth? Are you marked by like with, like people see you and literally you have the reputation of giving people death 
Or you have the reputation of people wanting to be near you because you provide words of life. What is your reputation? If we had a chance to ask God at this moment, God, what is your view of every single one of us? Do we speak words life or death? What would God say? If we would have to break it down percentage when it comes to our words, what is it? Is it like 10% words of life and 90% words of death? Are we like 50, 50, 50 50% words of life, 50% words of death? Or are we intentional wanting God to transform us so that we would be able to speak words of life getting to the 100% mark? Obviously, none of us are perfect. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to say something we're going to have to say, uh, ask for forgiveness for at a certain point. You know, none of us are perfect. But if you're not being intentional and careful and applying wisdom to your life, you're going to trip over your words and you're going to entrap yourself with your words. And literally, you're going to bring more destruction than life to your surroundings. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19, it says this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So many times we we wonder, it's like, yo, what's God's will? What's God's will? Here, God tells you. I mean, so many times we try to think, it's like, what does God love? I want to do what God loves. We got to make sure we, we don't do what he hates and what's detestable to him. Now here, something that's interesting, there's seven things highlighted all together. Three out of the seven involve your mouth, your words. Three out of the seven involve the things you say. A lying tongue, a false witness, someone that's just like gossiping, testifying of things falsely, trying to make other people look bad, always has something to say. It's almost like they're the bringer of drama. The moment they step into the room, it's almost the the atmosphere changes and the climate changes because dark clouds just came in because they're just always talking nonsense about other people. And sometimes we do it in the name of Jesus. It's like, I'm just telling you this so you can pray for them. But yet all we did was gossip and tear someone down and being a a false witness. And lastly, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. That could be this community. Do you stir up conflict? Do you talk about other people? Do you cause issues? Do you cause divisions? Do you, you, are you critical? Are you negative? Are you quick to let other people know how it should be done different according to your eyes? Are you quick to just cause conflict and division and issues within community? 
whether it's here at your house with your family, in the community, in the general community, whether it's at work, are you known to be a troublemaker? And you know what's crazy is that a lot of times our pride is not allowing us to see that we have the issue. A lot of times when we mention things like that, we're quick to think of someone else. Oh, that's so-and-so. You, know, you got to check yourself in the mirror. You got to look and check yourself in the mirror because the reality is every single one of us, including myself, all of us, if we're not evaluating our walks with God and checking ourselves in the mirror, like we could easily be falling in line setting patterns in our lives that are destructive, and eventually it will come out. You know, something that has happened recently, uh, some of you know, if we're friends on Facebook and stuff like that, um, some of you know that the last couple of weeks have been a little challenging from the standpoint that we, we had to move my mom to live with my sister. My mom has lived in the same location for 53 years. That's a, that's a long time. Rosie and I, we were born there. We, we lived there uh, into our late 20s, you could say. And she's been there all this time, 53 years. And we just had to move her to Rosie's. On a completely side note, you know, moving. Oh, Jesus, please give me strength. Moving is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy. It's not easy. Especially when it's 53 years worth of stuff. So when, when I went to the attic and I start opening boxes, it was really cool because I, all of a sudden I start bumping into things I haven't seen since I was a kid. Like, you know, all of a sudden I open a box and I saw my wrestling men. Like the big rubber ones, like Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, you know, uh, King Kong Bundy. Like some of you don't know about that. Some of you do. You know, that, that's gold. I didn't care about anything. I was like, yeah, I'm a wrestling man. You know, I was so excited. And then, I was, and then, then Jen is like, make sure you throw out as much as you can. Don't bring stuff home. I was like, this is coming straight home. It's like, I'm going to set this up right on the dining room table. Put the ring out. No, no, no. Um, so it's like. Sorry, it's your birthday. I'll put them away and stuff. So, um, so the wrestling man, I was really excited. I found like really cool and meaningful things as well. Um, one of the things, uh, other thing I found, I found Shaquille O'Neal's rookie card. On a side note, I did find Shaquille O'Neal's rookie card. I was excited. I Googled it real quick. It ranges like from 15 bucks to like a couple thousand. I guarantee you I got the $15 one. <laughs> so it's not worth much. But then I opened this one box I was so excited about. It was an Atari. Yeah, yeah, I opened my Atari with my old games, Combat, Asteroid. You know, some of you know about that, those games. And I have everything, the controllers and everything. You better believe that's going to be in the living room. I'm sorry, John. Um, that's going to be in the living room, the Atari. And I used to love playing video games. Any of you guys love playing video games? All right, some of you guys. And through the years, of course, Atari, and then I had uh, Nintendo, Nintendo 64, PlayStation. Some of us have uh, Sega. Some of us, I had TurboGrafx-16 was another one. Some of you don't know about that one. Uh, some of us have had all these different systems. And all I know through my years playing video games, my favorite button 
to press on that system is a reset button. Favorite button. Because no matter what's happening in the game, I could be messing up. I could be about to die. I could have 10 lives and all of a sudden I have not, um, one left. All of a sudden I'll just go, hit that little button, boop. And then all of a sudden I start all over again. Fresh lives, fresh life, no issues. Sometimes I would have cheat codes that would help me get about 100 lives. But of course, eventually all of that will end up expiring. But the reason I'm sharing that with you is because so many of us live life as if we have a reset button there. Some of us live life as if we have cheat codes and we have endless lives to play. You only have one life. I can't hit a reset button and go back to when I was 18, even though I'm 25 right now. I can't go back. No, no, I'm joking. But you can't go back in time. You can't go back. There's no reset button. And that is why we need wisdom. You need to know God's word to be able to apply God's word to your life so that you would be able to make the right decisions as you live through this life because you only have one life. There's no reset button. There's no endless lives. There's no cheat codes that you could do. You have one life. Every single day, there's a, a good amount of decisions that we end up making every single day. When you think about it, even in your own mind, hundreds and thousands of decisions that you think about even subconsciously, like not even thinking about it, there's decisions that are made, but we need to do it according to God's word. In the beginning... It clearly said it's an invitation to gain wisdom. God said, if you want wisdom, to ask him. And even now, I want to give you that chance. If everyone could bow their heads, I want you to talk to God. Here today, we've highlighted the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, and how I said before, there's a big difference between intelligence, and just information compared to wisdom because wisdom is knowing God's word and learning on how to apply it. So for all of us here, I want to give you this time so that you would be able to even talk to God in your seat. Let him know that you're asking for it in your life. Let him know. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you for every person that's here and everyone watching us through the live stream, God. God, we just pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom, Lord God. And God, we commit to you that we want to be intentional to read your word and apply your word in our lives. God, forgive us for being lazy at times. God, forgive us for being careless with the words that we say at times. God, forgive us, God, for in so many different ways, allowing ourselves to be distracted by the world and not fearing you above all else. God, even right now, we just commit ourselves once again to you, God, realizing that we need you more than the very breath that we breathe, Lord God. So God, we surrender everything to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen, amen. God bless you. Love you. Abrazo grande. See you next week, God willing. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.